you know, in some in some respects, I think achieving self-sufficiency would, would be a very hard thing to do, but it doesn't matter because you get all those other benefits. So like we said at the start, the, the yield is not just vegetables, it's everything else. It's being outside, it's the exercise, it's the mental health, it's the connection to nature, it's the socializing, it's the learning, it's the, it's just the pure pleasure of achieving. I, I still, I still even now just amazed that you can put a tiny, tiny seed in the ground give it some water and then it just transforms into this ginormous plant that you can then enjoy. It's, it's just, it is, it's, it is a miracle, it's amazing. Hi, my name is Andy Ramage. Welcome to my podcast where I attempt to share the story behind the story of thought leaders, authors, athletes, everyday heroes and alcohol-free adventurers who have found meaning and purpose through their work while also sharing some of their greatest wisdom. Let's do this. When I first read The Blue Zones, which is a brilliant book, by the way, um, which is all about nine lessons for living longer by people who have lived the longest by a guy called Dan Bootner, which is right up there with one of my all-time favourite books, just because it just opens your mind up to all these different ideas and concepts that are so incredibly simple that I've tried to live my own life by. And basically, the book explores these pockets of people who live the longest, most healthy and thriving lives. But I noticed a trend when I went back to that book some years later. Many of these healthy outliers who were fit as fiddles into their 90s and beyond all grew their own vegetables. This observation sat in my mind for years until I met Nick Littlehouse, who will also be in the podcast, one of the world's leading sleep coaches. Nick was talking about light and the effects in a positive way of natural daylight on the body. Right, it's a really interesting conversation that we get into in our podcast with Nick that will come up in a later episode. This was followed by a workshop that I arranged for our ongoing self-development community, community, the Mind Body Gym, with the chairman of the UK's Forest Bathing Committee, Gary Evans, who explained the unbelievable health benefits of time spent in nature. Right? And then next, my chat with Alan Desmond on the podcast, who talks about the science and the benefits behind plant-based nutrition. And finally, took me that long, the penny dropped. Growing your own fruit and vegetables could be one of the best activities that we could all possibly partake in. If you think about it, what does it give you? Time outside in nature, we know it's amazingly good for you. Lots of light, natural light into your body, amazingly good for you. You've got movement in there. Very often there's connection in there. The produce that you grow, you can eat. And there's a myriad of scientific benefits about a whole food, plant-based diet. It just goes on and on. If you could pick one activity that you could do that ticks all the well-being boxes, it's growing your own, surely. And that's exactly what we're going to explore in this episode with the brilliant Jenny, who's absolutely fabulous. I've been following Jenny for a long while on her Instagram, which is the Organic Allotment Girl. Do check it out. It's just beautiful. It's a thing of joy just to look at and behold. There's something really warm that you're drawn into, this like connection with nature that's so simple. But what is beautiful about Jenny's message is that she wasn't a gardener, didn't have those green fingers. She's just unlocked this passion and meaning and purpose in her allotment and then sharing that with other people to inspire them to partake in what could be the greatest ever well-being tool that's right under our nose that's overlooked. I think you're going to love every minute of this episode and make 
sure to check out Jenny on her Instagram, The Organic Allotment Girl. She's absolutely fab. Her story is something that I think many of you will resonate with. And I think it depicts that beautiful journey of someone that just followed an interest in a passion that led to deep meaning and purpose. All right, let's do this. Now, before we get started, a quick word from our sponsor, Athletic Greens. Yes, we have a sponsor out the traps for the podcast and not just any sponsor. Athletic Greens is the most comprehensive daily nutritional drink I've ever tried. And it was really important to me to align with a sponsor that were aligned with my values and a product that I actually used. And genuinely, I've been using Athletic Greens for several years now. And I got into it when I first started to transition my diet from a very poor one to an optimal one. And it was listening to podcasts such as the Rich Roll podcast, the Tim Ferriss podcast, and later Rangan Chatterjee's podcast, who are all partners with Athletic Greens. I thought, I've got to give this stuff a try. And it has been a game changer for me. My morning routine, as many of you will know, looks like this. I walk downstairs, fill up a large glass of water, drink it, fill up half full another glass of water, pour in a scoop of athletic greens, fill it up to the top, drink that I'm on the bike. Now, I know I might have freaked lots of athletic green users out who might be like, you can't put the athletic green scoop in the middle. It has to go in at the start or at the end. But that's the way I like to use it. And it's like my nutritional insurance, because even with an optimal diet like I have now, life gets in the way. Stressors, lack of time, travel, all of those things are there to trip us up. But I know if I've had my athletic greens in the morning, I'm like job done. And here's the thing. It is packed. Let me give you some of like the science and what's actually going on inside this drink. Each scoop's got around 75 vitamins, minerals, whole food sourced ingredients, multivitamins, multiminerals, probiotics, green superfood blends, and so much more. It basically fills all those nutritional gaps. That's why I use it. And this is where it gets interesting for you guys. Right now, Athletic Greens is doubling down on supporting your immune system, so they're offering my listeners a free, F-R-E-E, one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase if you visit my link today. Basically, you'll never have to buy vitamin D again. Right, so whether you're looking for peak performance, you're trying to just level up in your life, you're trying to fill those nutritional gaps, you're an alcohol-free adventurer trying to replenish your body, right, this is the drink for you. Simply visit athleticgreens.com forward slash Andy Ramage, right, and join the alcohol-free adventurers, athletes, health-conscious go-getters from around the world who make a daily commitment to their health. Again, simply visit athleticgreens.com forward slash Andy Ramage and get your free year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs today. Welcome to the podcast, Jenny. Thank you for having me. I'm going to get better at this one day. I'm going to remember to press <laughs> record before we start these conversations. I'm glad you noticed quite quickly. <laughs> I know. I was like, oh, no, I've done it again. Did it with Sheru. Now I've done it with Jenny. That's the second time that I've done it. But anyway, thank you so much for joining me. I'm really excited about this conversation because I want to get straight to the point. We're going to talk about gardening, but specifically growing your own, which I think is really important. And I think it's one of these things that is a bit stigmatized. We think it's for grannies and granddads, but it should be for young people, vibrant, healthy people, because, you know, I reflected just previously that. In the Blue Zones, a great book that I read by a guy called Dan Bootner, which has been a book that's really guided my life over the last 
you know, seven or eight years really about these pockets of people that have lived these most energized, vibrant lives from all over the world, from Japan to uh, California. And if you look at what they were doing, the habits that they had created, most, if not all of them, tended a garden or they got some of or most of their uh, food from whole food plants that they'd grown themselves yeah. very often or they had access to that really got me thinking that's interesting if we're looking at the habits that they've brought into their life maybe there's more to that than just nutritious food and then I contrast that with Nick Littlehouse that has also been on the podcast our sleep expert but we got into a great conversation about the power of getting light into your body I then have had experts from the UK forest bathing industry come and work with us and do workshops with our ongoing self-development platform the mind body gym and they're talking about the unbelievable scientific benefits of being in nature and i'm just scr scratching the surface plus the physical exercise of being outside plus the connection maybe of having an allotment like this is a well-being yeah. superpower surely it really is it really is you, yeah you've just absolutely you've ticked so many boxes there and i think people think the primary purpose is to grow food and obviously you know harvesting your own food is wonderful in itself but there's just all these other added benefits that you don't necessarily think about to start with you know like you said the exercise and the the connection to nature and the learning you know there's always something to learn with gardening and I think for me, once once you awaken that love of plants and that connection and that the feeling that it gives you, and and you get healthy food at the end of it as well. So it is it is a superpower to me. It's just yeah, it's wonderful. It really is, and I think I love the way that you share your story about being the organic allotment girl online, which I truly appreciate. And I've said many times before, I just want to sort of dive into the screen and eat some of the nutritious like produce that you show oh it's just like very warming there's something i think we're all clearly we've got this affinity with nature and i think it's really nice there's something that draws us into the to the outdoors to the woods you know i'm someone that spends a lot of time in nature and also to see and reconnect with where our food actually comes from i think is incredibly powerful and you know i just wanted to thank you for everything you do you've really inspired me and i know you've inspired many of the people um that are in our groups and whatnot by coming in and doing some brilliant workshops with us so before we sort of dive into many of these benefits what about we back up a little bit and just give us the story of how you ended up becoming the organic allotment girl i suppose my love of growing came through a love of food so the love of food came first I, I, I grew up in a seaside town down in Devon called Torbay. I didn't really know what I wanted to do or where I was going. And I was quite unhappy and I ended up actually quitting my A-levels and then knew I needed to do something. So I basically just rocked up at the local, what was then a polytechnic college and said, look, you know, I need, I need to do something. What, what courses have you got? And they recommended hotel and catering. So I started on my hotel and catering journey and ended up getting a degree in hospitality management. And my my awakening with food really was part of that. So I stumbled onto this course and um, the lecturers as part of our training, they they took us to Paris for the for the week. Previously, I hadn't really like food to me. I wasn't really that interested growing up, but we went to this restaurant in Paris and I remember it so vividly. It was this dish and all that was on the plate was a, a a piece of lamb, but it wasn't about the lamb and this slow cooked fennel bulb, a whole fennel bulb on the plate. Oh, wow. And I ate it and it, 
and it was amazing and I was just like wow how how have I been missing this all my life you know and um it was really that 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 taste of that vegetable that made me realize okay this this, this is you know this is good I really I really do like food and then my 20s was spent in hospitality management but I was obsessed with yeah with with cooking and learning more about food and yeah. I think that just kind of slowly then got me thinking about okay the, the growing side but I never had a place of my own I never had a garden I was sort of I think in my 20s just in a string of bad relationships to be honest and all I had was my pots my pots of herbs oh, kept you kept you company it's a bit like I have Derek the uh, dragon tree that sits behind me and he's my little mate sits in the office with me now keeps me company and that reminds me I've got water him it's a good point but sorry carry on yes yeah don't forget to water him so I yeah so I was slowly sort of you know getting an interest in, in growing but I never really never really had the opportunity to to follow through with it so I was working in well yeah working in hospitality I would say to be honest yeah. I, I I was a workaholic um, you know, I, I worked really, really hard. I was operations manager by the time I was 27 of quite a big conference and leisure centre. I just didn't yeah. really, didn't really think I had the time to have a garden, I suppose. And then when I was 30, I was lucky enough to get a job working for Riverford. So they were looking for a general manager to run their restaurant on the farm. Oh, wow. And it, and it just it just called to me, yeah. you know, the, the world that I was in was, it was very corporate. It was connected to food, but it was, it was very corporate. And like I say, I was, you know, I was working really, really hard and this job at Riverford came up and it just felt like the right thing to do. And that really cemented my, my, my interest and my love of, of wanting to, wanting to grow my own food. And I, you know, I remember, running the restaurant at Riverford and just, you know, looking out over these amazing fields and and getting to to work with and serve the produce to the customers and then, you know, realising yeah. how important the growing side of things were, were um, and especially growing organically as well. So, you know, that time at Riverford really helped me understand how important um, the soil was and how important growing organically was. And getting to eat the vegetables at the restaurant at Riverford, it they were just amazing. You know, it was amazing, and it just kind of yeah. everything just sort of started to connect. And I started to realise there was this sort of cycle that was going on, and I just wanted to want wanted to be part of that. Be, yeah, be a part of that. And I think that's so true, isn't it? That we sort of forget. We forget. I mean, I'm sure if you asked a lot of children and adults, probably. Where'd you get your vegetables from? They'd probably say, well, like the supermarket. Yeah. That's where they come from, right? I think we've we've totally lost connection. If we go back a couple of generations, I was only just talking about this recently. You know, we had the Victory Gardens back in the end or during the Second World War when people thought, you know, uh, food was going to be in short supply and, and, and food was rationed. They encouraged, you know, people in the East End to like grow wherever they could, pots, little bits of land, get the vegetables going to supplement yeah. like the war effort. It was like doing their bit. You know, we've had this like connection, you know, it, agri, agri, you know, the agricultural revolution was only sort of 10,000 yeah. years ago. We've had this like connection with the land that seems to have, it's just disappeared in, it's, it, in a rapid rate. It feels like over the last 50 years that so many people have lost total connection. Yeah. And like the children coming through, 
have got, again, would probably suggest that their vegetables come from Tesco's, which I think is so sad. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I totally agree with you. And I, and I think a big, a big part of what's happened is we tend to talk about nature as kind of this separate thing. And I think that's where we've lost the connection. And what, what I'm starting to realise and starting to understand is that, you know, we are part of nature. Nature isn't, isn't this thing that kind of sits on the periphery and you go and visit it and you go and, you know, um, you spend time in nature and you connect with nature. We are, we are part of that system and it's a, it's a different way to look at it. But I've, I've learned a lot more about that, that way of thinking and that, that worldview that perhaps, you know, what we've been taught growing up isn't maybe quite, quite right. And, you know, and having a garden and tending a garden and doing it all in, in harmony with nature and trying to be understanding and sympathetic to, 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 to trying to basically get a yield from the garden which benefits more than yourself you know I think that's that's quite important and um, you know that's that's why I grow organically and that's why I try to think about the wildlife and the nature but yeah I think you're right there is a massive disconnect yeah. but but I'm feel but I'm feeling you know I feel positive actually because there are you know you, you said earlier there's that stigma attached to gardening that it's you know it's for grannies and granddads and it's you know, it's it, it, it's out of reach of, of some people, but I'm feeling positive. It's really not. You know, there's a whole yeah. swathe of young people coming through who are making gardening really desirable and really and really cool and, you know, and are really sympathetic and understanding to trying to do it in, in harmony with with the environment and things. So it's really exciting. I think it's a really exciting time to be involved with with gardening and growing. Uh, yeah, I absolutely agree. I think there's almost that like full circle again. I think it's sort of well taken away from it. And then this seems like exactly that. There's the, a growing movement of hold on a minute. What like where does our food come from? Let's reconnect even with the soil. I mean, you talk about the soil before. And, uh, you know, I'm one of these sort of I'm, I'm like an armchair gardener. I'm like the greatest gardener in the world that, that doesn't do as much gardening as I should. I read all the books. Like I'm obsessed with it. Like one of my favorite books ever is Miraculous Abundance that I've got here with me. I absolutely love this book. And it's a book about a thing called permaculture, which we can get into in a minute. And I read these books and I'm just like, I'm so warmed by them. And I like dreamily wish that I could just run off and, you know, be self-sufficient on a farm somewhere and I, and I absolutely love it. And I got really like really into the technical side of it, you know, regenerative agriculture, another brilliant book, Call of the Reed Warbler, I think by Charles Massey. It's a beautiful book. And I've got so like into this stuff without necessarily going outside and, and actually doing a lot about it. But I'm fascinated because of that reason. I think I'm being drawn back to it because it feels like it was never something that really showed up in my life. You know, East End sort of boy, there was, there was green around. I was in parks playing football and whatnot. But in terms of growing vegetables or any of that stuff, that, that just wasn't on my radar at all. And I feel that I missed out on that connection with the soil. Like the soil is everything. Without that, it's yeah. game over. Yeah, and I think people absolutely. completely like have, have missed that link entirely. Yeah, absolutely. So, so when will you start your garden then, Andy? It's it started. I have the world's largest <laughs> stroke smallest spinach farm. I like to call it, and it's been. It is. You want to talk about miraculous? It is miraculous. Anyone that's ever grown spinach, and I deliberately grew spinach because I thought I eat a lot of spinach. Right, makes sense. I tend to my plants. I then 
take off the leaves because I've only got about 10 of them, right, in a patch, but they're amazing. I can literally fill up a full, like, bag, let's call it, of spinach that is a, you know, big bowl full. I'll come back two, two days later. It's all grown back. Yeah, it's like a miracle. Get- I didn't know they did that. No, and you get such such a sense of achievement, don't you, from from harvesting yeah. food, even if it is just some spinach or you know, or some herbs or something. It's you know, it's amazing. But you're right, you know, the I think people have lost that connection, and we've lost, you know, that the the soil is so 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 important. You know, it really is. It really is everything. And I and I learned that quite quite early in my in my own growing journey mm. which was fortunate and part of that was was through working at Riverford but also I was I was lucky to stumble across a gardener called Charles Dowding quite early yeah so I I just happened to look at a, a book sale in the in the corner at work where all the tea and coffee you know station was and there was a book by Charles Dowding called um, Salad Leaves for All Seasons and it just it blew my mind the way he spoke about the soil and understanding that there was this whole ecosystem of life right beneath our feet and yet we traditional practices and and the way you know the way we've been taught is that we've been told that we have to you know we we have to till the soil we have to turn the soil over you know you have to dig it you have to aerate it you have to do this that and the other and what you know what i learned from charles is that that's just it's a complete myth you know and actually by overworking the soil as gardeners we're achieving the opposite of what we're trying to achieve we're 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 damaging the soil structure we're 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 killing the the life that exists in it and and what we're starting to learn is that the life in the soil Mm. the microfauna and the microorganisms and the bacteria and the fungi they are in relationship with the plants in a way that we don't fully understand but we're starting to realize that it is a relationship that there's a two-way thing going on in the soil and if we if we damage it and we overwork it we're not we're not helping things so i decided when i got my allotment that it it was absolutely going to be no dig there was no no question about that and it's paid dividends so how does so it's it's no dig and this really comes from mirroring nature doesn't it so in nature no one's around digging the soil and and i think you you may have mentioned this in our workshop which which i loved was that if you go to the woods where i spend a lot of time the earth there is like dark and rich and you know you i I often will get down and put my like fingers through it it's just you just want to sort of get into it and, and I think about how that, you know, the seasons of all of the leaves drop in, they're not swept. No one comes along in the forest and sweeps no. all that stuff up. Do you know what I mean? It naturally, you know, degrades into the ground and we creates this lovely, beautiful, rich, fertile environment. Yet you see a field that's tilled and it's bare and then, you know, it has to quickly yeah. get crops on there to grow because, you know, if you don't, nature will grow weeds in its place right it, it doesn't want bare yeah, land absolutely i actually i get quite uncomfortable when i see fields and fields of bare soil or when i see you know other allotments where it's just bare earth that's been rotivated and rotivated because you know you're right a, a forest is one of the healthiest most self-sustaining ecosystems in, in the world and the, the soil's not being tilled it's you know we're not having to artificially fertilize a forest it takes care of itself so no no dig is like you say it's trying to to mimic what we see happening in nature so 
by mulching the soil and feeding the soil from from the top and that can be with with compost or fallen leaves we're we're, we're giving that soil life so the way i think as a gardener is i i feed i don't feed my plants i feed the soil so i look after the soil and the soil and the living organisms within the soil earthworms and all the you know bacteria and fungi they look after my plants i think yeah it just it it pay it pays dividends, you know. I, I I think it's it's helped me. It's helped me with my with my allotment enormously, um, and I think there is quite a big movement of people who are who are starting to to realise that this you know this way of gardening and this approach you know not disturbing the soil is 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 the way to go. So yeah. Yeah, I I totally I totally agree, and I love the concept. And again, getting deep into regenerative agriculture and all these things that I love and you know seeing some of the results that these farmers that are getting that have not followed the traditional methods and just seeing like the wildlife come back in and, and that that ecosystem that biosphere sort of being regenerated and then the beautiful crops that flow and I know obviously in the world that we live in um, of mass production you know there's a lot of sort of push and pull against these type of ideas but on a smaller scale it just seems such a beautiful way to sort of reinteract with nature and that's really the essence of that beautiful book that I spoke about the call of the reed warbler was that they were bare tilled lands and the earth was dying and the soil was dying and the crops were struggling and then through this process over a period of years of bringing back in various different crops and different ways and approaches and no-till and all these amazing things, like the wildlife started to come back. These birds yeah. that hadn't been seen for years and years and years started to reappear. And like the ground was like nourished and fertile and the produce was just a different level and it was beautiful. And it was this amazing experience for this farmer that had grown up around that those traditional methods i just it, for me like there's me sitting at home in bed reading this stuff going on this is amazing and then all i've got is a little spinach farm outside but i love it there's something really i just think there's something in all of us that we're drawn to these concepts and ideas and i think it's really important to share this stuff and to reconnect with it because there might be a lot of people listening that haven't thought about actually walking out into the garden and sort of getting their fingers dirty for years and years and years and on that note like is this green fingers thing, is that a myth or is that true? Do we need green fingers or can anyone do this? I believe, no, you you don't need, you're not born with green fingers. And, you know, people say it a lot, oh, she's got green fingers, he's got green fingers, it, you know, it's easy for them. But it, you you really don't, you know, with, with gardening, you, the best way to, the best way to learn with gardening, it's one of those things where you've just got to get out there and do it. You learn so much just through the experience of, of giving it a go and the most the most important thing you can do is is well first of all just have you know have a have a passion and an interest and a desire to do it and then the second most important thing is is just to pay attention just to observe what what is going on and just to stop and just to really take the time to to look and I know it sounds a bit corny but the plants will tell you whether they're happy or not mm. you know and it's like a lot of things in life as well. I think sometimes when when you make mistakes, they're the biggest moments where you you learn, you know. So that's another reason you you've just got to go out there and give it a go, you know. No no one's going to get it right the first time, but you learn so much just from just from doing it. And yeah, and it, and it's just so it's so it's so pleasurable. But so no, I I, I don't think I don't think yeah. we're born with green fingers at all. Yeah, it's 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 a 
trial and error thing. And, and do you know what's really important, just jumping in there, is that I love sport because I think it's such a wonderful way to learn a, a many of the skills that you need for the real world and life. And in many ways, I'm a, it's only just dawned on me as you're speaking, but gardening sort of, or growing your own gives you that similar experience of success, of failure, of patience, of nurturing, like all the things you need to build skill and the things you need to deal with in life, it's actually in that process as well. So it's bigger than just growing plants and all the other benefits that we've briefly touched on. I think it's actually giving these important life skills. Absolutely. And I think for me, you know, I've got a son now who's seven and he, he's been on that allotment journey with me. Mm. I was, I was, he was two when I got the allotment and him seeing that process and getting involved, he's learning all those skills as well, you know? And, and like you said, it, it's more than just growing vegetables. It is, it's teaching you patience. It's teaching you kindness. It's teaching you about, you know, about the, the environment. And then, you know, you start to then ask questions about the food system and why are we, you know, why are we growing food in, in an industrial food system that's so broken, you know? And it just it just opens up a whole a whole world really. And so yeah, no, I'm 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 proud that I can share that with with my little boy. And I think, you know, you were saying earlier about how sad it is that a lot of children, you know, they don't know where their food comes from, you know, and you, you hear stories in schools where the teacher will stand up with, you know, with a pepper or something, and they don't even they don't even know what it is, you know, let yeah. alone how it grows. Unless it's got Unless it's got a doctor in front of it and it's in a can. Yeah, might. exactly. <laughs> um, so, you know, with my little boy, I think, you know, the teacher could stand up and show show him a courgette. He Not only would he know that it was a courgette, he'd probably tell them what variety it was yeah. <laughs> and, you know, and how to beautiful? grow it and when it's ready to pick. And, you know, and that that's that to me is, is just it's just amazing to be able to share that um, with yeah, my son, I you know. I just want, uh, I want him to grow up thinking that growing your own food is normal because it should be. It should be. And I think there's, there's a quote in that book that I love, Miraculous Abundance, along these lines. But it's talking about um, we will re-become re farmers. And I love that idea. I think there's, like you said, I think there's going to be this full loop back to, to our origins in many ways. And it's happening. You know, it really, you know, as you, you described, we can feel that momentum. But there's another quote that I like, and I'm just going to read it. The farmers of tomorrow will be guardians of life. Their farms will be places of healing, of beauty and harmony. Isn't that wonderful? Like I read those things in my little garden, like my books and go, oh, that just sort of speaks directly to my soul. Isn't that beautiful? It's beautiful. Farms of tomorrow will be the guardians of life. Their farms will be places of healing, beauty and harmony. And I think that's what it is. And I look at your um, Instagram photos and pictures at times. That's how I feel. That, that that's the, you know what I was talking about at the start there's something that draws me in it's that sense of mm -hmm. harmony and healing and, and nature and not to get all like woo-woo and hippie I think we've got to get over that right this is actually mm. about like reconnecting with who we are as human beings that walked this earth yeah. barefoot for all of these years and it wasn't that long ago in reality evolutionary uh, terms a blink of an eye that we started to actually you know create um, organized agriculture up until that point we're hunter-gatherers right mm -hmm. completely in this symbiotic relationship with nature and the earth and the seasons and light and food and it's just yeah. changed at such a pace I think there's a big calling back to the soil and I, I just love what you're doing and, and I just thought maybe we can use this as a segue into 
permaculture because I just think this is a is a beautiful philosophy not just for growing food but just for life maybe if you could just tell us a brief bit about that for anyone listening yeah so I I'd heard a bit about permaculture and I knew it was something that I wanted to learn more about so I'm actually really lucky where I live there's a biodynamic farm not very far from me literally 10 minutes away oh fab and they run permaculture courses so I was just like, wow, yeah, I think I think I need to do this because, you know, like I say, I've he- heard about it. I'm not quite sure what it's all about, but I know it's it's about, you know, doing good things. So, yeah, I, I, I did a permaculture design certificate and I learned about um, about permaculture. So what is permaculture? To me, it's really a, a toolkit. So the design certificate taught me so much about the way that we interact with growing and farming and the way we view the world as well, really. And it gives you a a toolkit that you can use to design sustainable systems using nature as inspiration. So, you know, we spoke earlier about how amazing forests are, that they're self-sufficient. You know, so permaculture looks at what nature does and then tries to use that in in the design of your it could be a growing system but you could apply permaculture to anything really you know Mm. you could you could apply it to your back garden and your allotment or you could apply it you could apply it to yourself and and the way the way that you live so yeah to me it was um it was a toolkit and it was based around a set a set of values there's three three values in permaculture so it's earth care, people care, and fair shares. So everything that we we do under permaculture links back to those three three values. And then under those three values, there's there's twelve principles which go into sort of a bit more a bit more detail. But they're really like guiding principles that we we use to think about what we're doing, what we're designing. You know, so it's things like using small and slow solutions so it's trying to change that you know change our mindset that it's not always about fast progress big achievement you know because i think that's probably what's wrong with the world in a lot of ways is that we're just obsessed with progress and yeah you know and and permaculture is really for me it slowed me down and it made me think about things in a in a different way so yeah, it it was excellent. Yeah, it's, it's something that I'm really interested in. Again, the philosophy of it, you know, as as bigger than just again planting vegetables. It's actually that right. How can we leverage the power of nature through? I think I remember you saying when you first took the allotment, one of the things or principles around permaculture is that you observe the plot or where you're going to be growing for a whole season, i.e., a whole year. But I'm not sure that would yeah. go down great with the council if you just left it bare for a whole year. But equally it's just these principles isn't it it's like that slow you know, slowing you down as, as a human being reconnecting with nature and not just trying to rush it all through and brute force it through and smother it with some chemicals or just dump a load of stuff in there to make it look good it's like actually let's just take our time and do this properly in harmony with nature yeah. learn along the way um, and then use many of nature's guiding principles to, to actually create soil that's symbiotic with all of nature around it like i look at the examples from um miraculous abundance which i love that they would often create ponds or 
they'd plant by rivers because they knew that the frogs would come out at night and eat certain insects. They'd have the chickens running wild because when they would poop, the, the nitrogen would uh, fuel the soil. So it's like, oh, like literally bringing in all these elements where normally yeah. it'd be like, no, we've got to get rid of all of that because they're all pests. It's like, no, you're missing the point. You sort of welcome everything in and it's got its own place, which then leads to this this beautiful soil, which creates the most wonderful produce. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So a lot, a lot of what permaculture is about is realizing that every every element within that system has a function, and it's stopping to really think about how those elements connect. So we we often do something called called an input output analysis. So in permaculture, you don't automatically assume that. Uh, something that generates waste is is actually is actually waste if that makes sense so you would try you would look at all the elements within a system and you would look at what waste they produce but then you would ask yourself well hang on can can this waste be an input into something else so like you know you know like you're saying if you had chickens um obviously there's there's chicken waste that needs to be dealt with well that can go in into your compost heap which will feed feed that which then in turn feeds your vegetables and so it's really like a a very holistic way to look at things and trying to connect up the whole system it's just such it's just such a good way to to look at things and you really you really start to value the part that all of these different things have to play within a system and like you know like you were saying it's just it's just about slowing down and taking the time to observe what is actually happening and then find ways to to interact with that so it's yeah it, it it's great i would recommend it yeah i think it's a it's a really nice guiding principle uh, and there's you know lots of research we'll get to it in a second if there's any books or um talks that you'd recommend a great guy actually that doesn't necessarily talk about permaculture that i definitely wanted to mention that is is someone i think is absolutely fantastic is Zach bush who's been on the rich roll podcast that guy is unbelievable what he's got to say about you know agriculture and and whatnot I, i'd you know definitely advise everyone check him out but just coming to some sort of practical advice now if someone's listening to this going oh permaculture this all sounds interesting i want to want to reconnect with nature i want to get my fingers in the soil as it were like how do how should we get started so i would definitely i would definitely recommend um any books by charles dowding okay excellent so he he's kind of the godfather of no dig and he you know that that will help you through that whole process and understanding what that involves you know podcast wise if you listen to something called the the organic podcast that's that's very good that tells you a lot about growing organically and there's lots of hints and tips um, and there's also a new podcast, which is 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 really worth listening to if you're interested in in, in growing organically, um, and it's called the Seed Pod, um, and they have covered some really interesting things. But it's not permaculture per se, but it's along the veins of of permaculture, and you know, thinking about how we can garden more gently and in harmony with nature and everything. So that's that's very good. But yeah, I think I think any any books by Charles Dowding would definitely recommend. Perfect. And then in like in a practical sense, if someone's again thinking, oh, I might just, you know, it's midsummer. What could I plant? What, how could I get started? What's the sort of next step? Would would you say? Um, well, so it would it would depend depend on the space that you've got available. But you know, there's lots of stuff that you could be sowing now, like beetroot and lettuce. But I think you know, with with my permaculture head on, I think look look at the space you've got. Have a think about 
what you like to eat because you know that's important that you grow things that 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 you're going to enjoy eating yourself and then just just get out there and do it you know there's no there's no right right or wrong yeah. way to do it so i think just get get stuck in yeah and do you know it's one of those things you can't go too far wrong can you i mean what's the worst that happens you know you plant some things and it doesn't quite grow and there's learning in that you know i think i definitely suffer a bit of a block and my block is this in my mind i'm like if i'm starting a garden i want it to be self-sufficient in about three weeks do you know what i mean i want to live the good life i'd never want to have to go to the shops again i don't want plastic i'm gonna live off the produce from my garden so then like getting started for me has been really difficult because in my mind it's just this massive project that's so overwhelming you know i suffer from that inertia of overwhelm whereas actually just starting with the a few spinach plants has been brilliant because it's sort of got me in the game it's got me connected again and from there there's the opportunity to sort of then grow that out you know in uh, more ways than one rather than thinking it's got to be this big massive thing you know start really small i would say to people you know literally just a couple of seeds in a in a, in a pot or whatever it is if you've got a windowsill just bring something to life and you know get that reconnection again yeah absolutely well i think it's like anything in life isn't it you know you can you can get massively overwhelmed and you do you know you do just need to break it down and start small and i you know i just i just started with pots i just started with herbs in pots and I've still got a bay tree actually in the garden, which is probably about 15 years old. <laughs> um, and it's traveled with me all this time. And then when I decided to get, get the allotment that, you know, I had sort of built up to that. But when I, when I took the plunge, it was just the best thing that I ever did. But, you know, you, you, God, you should have seen the plot when I took it on. It was just, it was weeds everywhere. It was, it was, it was completely daunting, but I just broke it down and, you know, just just tackled it bit by bit. You know, I think if you if you've got a vision in in mind, that really helps, and then you just you know can work towards that. But you you know you're not going to achieve self sufficiency overnight. You know, in some in some respects, I think achieving self sufficiency would would be a very hard thing to do. But it doesn't matter because you get all those other benefits. So, like we said yeah. at the start, the the yield is not just vegetables. It's yeah. everything else. It's being outside. It's the exercise. It's the mental health. It's the connection to nature. It's the socializing. It's the learning. It's the, it's just the pure pleasure of achieving. I, I still, I still, even now, just amazed that you can put a tiny, tiny seed in the ground, give it some water, and then it just transforms into this ginormous plant that you can then enjoy it's it's just it is it's, it's a miracle yeah, it's, it's amazing it is a mir it's miraculous abundance yeah. isn't it in, in many ways and it's just so beautiful to hear you you know light up as you as you talk about this little miracle that we're all a part of that again i think just sort of gets buried under the concrete of modern life doesn't it yet that's the beautiful thing wherever there's concrete those plants still manage to break through and i think that's yeah i think that's what's going on right now and then just to sort of tell us the, the the story of the transition so you've gone from this corporate world you've fallen in love with food and then with growing your own food you've started this instagram yeah. account just to share it just to put some stuff out there which i think is beautiful yeah and where are you now with it all is there a, a transition happening yeah there is so 
I I'm actually taking my my love of growing and and love of um, plants one one step further. So I'm starting a micro flower farm. Love it. Which is amazing. So. Yeah, an opportunity has has come up, and yeah, started it this year. So, my my plan is to grow flowers to supply the cafe that I manage, and we love having flowers at the cafe. You know, it's just it's just beautiful. It's a nice thing to have to to decorate the place. But when you realise that most flowers that we buy are being grown in either South America or Africa, and then they're imported into Holland, and then ported into England, and doused with chemicals and i was and we were buying these and i was just like this is crazy you know i i know how yeah. to grow i just need some land and then i can grow the flowers for the cafe and then so the, the plan is to to grow for the cafe and then hopefully have some surplus that i can i can bunch up and sell sell to customers wow and then who knows i mean my my dream would be to step out of the the management world out of hospitality and into into horticulture so this is the start, I hope. Yeah, and this is so beautiful because this is like a story that I hear all the time and it's my story as well in a different way that alongside the day job, we find this this passion, this purpose, this meaning. It just sort of happened and evolved. We didn't particularly brainstorm it out. You just fell in love with food and then with growing through the allotment and now that's becoming this thing. You've built these skills over time that now you might be able to turn this into something that actually turns your passion into your, your work your life's work you know what a wonderful place to be and I feel so fortunate as well to be in a similar position where you get to do what you love doing every day and maybe transition out from the workplace but that could never have happened had you not had the courage initially to get the allotment to show up when it was overgrown and, and take your time and learn and research and suffer all the setbacks and learn from the wins and the failures and then just keep showing up and just fall in love with this this thing that you'd started this allotment and now here you are on the verge of completely transforming your life in many ways yeah. going from you know a career a corporate career to something that is like that's going to put you outside in nature all the time I think that's a beautiful thing and a really important message for people to hear that's how we find our meaning and purpose by having the courage to start something yeah it's um it's terrifying at the same time, but um, yeah. but it's so exciting. In fact, that I I've got a chance to to maybe make a living from doing what I love, you know. And it's early days yet, but already I just go to bed so excited to wake up in the morning and go to the flower patch, and it's it's just a it's a buzz that I've I've not had for a long time. And yeah, yeah, I'm just I'm really excited. And like you say, you know that that started that started with the allotment and. You know, there are a few little things, few little anchors and but, you know, just starting and then just moving gradually towards um, towards something that you're really passionate about. And now now this opportunity's come up and yeah, I'm gonna gonna grab it and, and see what happens. But it's funny because, you know, it's not it's not gonna it's not gonna make it's not gonna make me rich or wealthy, but it's gonna make me happy and you know, it was, it was my birthday this year and all of my friends and family in, in the cards, they were like, we're so proud of you. Like, well done. It's amazing. And I just thought, oh, my goodness, I'm, I'm heading towards, you know, potentially financial hardship and maybe, you know, maybe disaster. I don't know. And they're really proud of me. And they've never said that before. Yeah. <laughs> 
isn't that beautiful? Because I think we love it when someone connects with their passion or their purpose or they find meaning because you just radiate this sort of joy that everyone can see so no one can argue with and it's not about money you know yeah I clearly there has to be some underlying economics to support you but it's that's not the driving purpose of it at all is it it's that connection it's that harmony it's that that love for this thing that you enjoy doing and sharing with other people and the truth is who knows where that leads, you know, from an economic standpoint, you know, that, that you know, it, it's certainly not something that you can sort of write yourself off because you just don't know the twists and turns behind that. But equally, it's not about that. I think there's something really empowering about that that people are attracted to, hence why they're cheering you on going. And the reason they're cheering you on is because they're all probably thinking, I wish I had the courage to do it or I wish I had that thing that I could do. Do you know what I mean? I think there's a bit of that in all of us. Yeah, absolutely. And it's just, you know, when when that thing comes along and it clicks it's just it's just the most wonderful thing and um you know and yeah for me it's it's gardening and i i just think i just think plants are amazing you know they feed us they clothe us they help us build the houses we live in they give us air to breathe they medicate us they they do all these wonderful things like why would i not want to connect with that and yeah. and and connect with it as much as I possibly can. So, I'll, I'll always have my allotment. Abs- you know, I, I I would never be without my allotment. I absolutely love it. But to have the opportunity to set up a small scale, growing operation, and I'm doing it on my terms as well. So it's based around permaculture principles. The design for the flower project was actually the design that I did as part of my permaculture design certificate training. Um, it's going to be organic. It's going to be, you know, everything's going to be done with 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 wildlife in mind, with encouraging insects. And I just feel proud that I can I can grow flowers locally in a way that's good good for the environment, and reduce having to buy flowers in from goodness knows where with goodness knows what done to them. You know, because I I think it's interesting with flowers because we we've really woken up to food. You know, I think a lot of people are very in tune with with food miles and eating local and supporting local farmers and uh, all of that kind of thing. But with flowers, it's it's not quite there yet. You know, people think nothing of popping into the supermarket and buying a a, a bunch of plastic wrapped flowers that have been imported from all over the world. And I think that's part of the reason. As much as I love growing vegetables, it's part of the reason that I chose flowers because I really want to uh, like challenge that issue and hopefully change people's perception of buying locally grown flowers is as important as buying locally grown food love it and and something i hadn't considered and and again this is the evolution of your adventure in many ways isn't it you start in one area and you've got all these skills and this learning and then it opens up a new area where actually you can add incredible value to you know people locally and globally through your sharing and the things that you're doing online and just being a part of that movement, which again, I hadn't considered exactly that. I'm well-versed around vegetables and growing, but I know nothing about flowers. So maybe that's a conversation we'll we'll have again and we'll, we'll dive deep into. But just to round it off there, because um, it's a really beautiful conversation. I hope our listeners have enjoyed it. Something different, you know, for me, think about all the benefits of gardening or growing your own. If you listed them out, everyone would be doing this thing it ticks so many boxes it's unbelievable you know and i'd love to see more people getting involved 
So where can we find out a bit more about you? Because I think that is a real big step. It certainly was for me to just watch what you're doing. I think it just really encouraged me to get started. So I'd love um, as many people as possible to, to follow along. So where's the best place we can catch you? The best place is, is Instagram. So the allotment, I, I document my journey for that on Instagram and that's Organic Allotment Girl. And then my flower project, which is new, is Bridgeside Blooms. So yeah, either Organic Allotment Girl for the allotment and the vegetables, or if you're interested in flowers and, and following that journey, then that's Bridgeside Blooms. Wonderful. Jenny, you're an absolute star. Keep doing what you're doing. I absolutely love it. I can be the world's best armchair gardener. <laughs> Although it's happening. That I'm going to extend. I'm going to extend my repertoire from spinach to I don't know what yet, but uh, it's definitely happening. But thank you for the inspiration. You're an absolute star. Thank you. If you enjoyed this episode, please check out the shorter episodes, which are clips from my daily live show, The Fun Side of the Island with Andy Ramage, that you can join every day at 7.15am BST by following at Andy Ramage Official on Facebook, Instagram, and on YouTube, search for Andy Ramage. Also, for the first time ever, I'm now training double accredited coaches in my unique coaching blueprint. Go to andyramage.com and check out courses for more information. And if you'd like to train with me on my latest online live course, The Arate Way, also head to andyramage.com courses. I'll make no secret of it. I would love to train with you. So let's make it happen. And I thank you for listening. It's deeply appreciated. The best thing you can do to show some love to the podcast is to click subscribe or follow. And don't forget the sponsors, Athletic Greens, who are giving our listeners a free year supply. Yes, free year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs today when you go to athleticgreens.com forward slash Andy Ramage and sign up. And I love it most of all when you share the episode you enjoy on social media. You can just take a screenshot as you listen and then put it out and tag me in at Andy Ramage Official on Facebook and Insta. You're amazing. Finally, you can sign up to my free newsletter where I share exclusive posts along with things I'm enjoying such as podcasts, books, quotes, TED Talks and much more. And many of you message to say this is your favourite thing that I produce. So please check it out by going to andyramage.com and there is an option to sign up at the footer of every page. As always, a massive thank you to Matt McCormick for producing the podcast and thank you to Austin Sweetman for your digital promotions. You can find me on team at andyramage.com, at andyramageofficial on Insta and Facebook, and Andy Ramage on YouTube. See you back here soon for another episode. Let's do this. <laughs>